welcome, eleven Dubcasters. I am Michael Citro. I'm Johnny Ginner. And uh, you know what? We are feeling a little bit better about our basketball team this week. I think. <laughs> yes, uh, we backed better. off. It's good. <laughs> backed away from the ledge a little bit. Um, Johnny, uh, why don't we just dive right in and start talking about the comeback victory over the Purdue Boilermakers? Did you see that happening at halftime? The way things had unfolded. Well, no. I mean, <laughs> you know, they were playing not super great at halftime. Um, you know, I got to say something. I didn't see that happening. I think obviously D'Angelo Russell is, is the reason why we won that game. Uh, um, here's here's how fun that game was to watch. Amir Williams was watchable, right? Like, <laughs> yes. and, and he had two really good plays, like two athletic, like awesome plays. And, and that one towards the end, man, like, you know, it was as much as we rag on the dude. I gotta give props, you know, when props is due, and and that was good. It was it was a really entertaining win. It was a cool win. I mean, I'm sad Angelo Russell's only gonna be around for like two more regular season <laughs> games. That's kind of upsetting, but like everything else, it was it was fun to watch. It was the most entertaining game that they played all season, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, the second half was very entertaining. The first half made me want to do really horrible things to my face. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, the, the first half was just not good basketball. It was like they come up the court and then Shannon Scott would throw it in the fourth row or, you know, something. Right. They would take the ridiculously bad shot or, you know, and the the turnovers that they had were unforced and and just stupid, I guess, for lack of a better word. <laughs> that's a good and word for it, I think. I think was, that's an excellent word for it. And I think at one point they were like three out of 16 or something ridiculous shooting from the floor and they had like yeah. five or six turnovers and it was just not going well. And uh, nothing was working. Uh, put in Cam Williams, that wasn't working. Put in Mark Loving, that wasn't working. Um, I think Amir and Trey McDonald both got two fouls in that half, and it just wasn't looking good. They had no real answer for A.J. Hammonds, who they kept inexplicably putting him on the bench to rest him. I don't know if he just needs an inordinate amount of rest or right. uh, that's just their rotation or what, but uh, I just thought... That's odd. This guy's killing us. Why sit? Why are you sitting him down? <laughs> right. Um, but in the second half, everything turned around. D'Angelo Russell, who was kind of a volume shooter in the first half, uh, started making shots left and right and just making guys look silly um, with his step back shot. And uh, that you know, the, for me, the defining moment of the second half was um, Sam Thompson's guarding the guy bringing the ball up the court, steals it from him, and slams it in his face. Yeah, and kind of ignited that whole run in the second half. It was it was really cool. We did get our, a mere moment in the final seconds when Purdue threw that long baseball pass all the way to the other end of the court, and it came off Hammonds, and Williams caught it and just kind of walked around with it and got called for <laughs> traveling. <laughs> like, this is my uh, end of the game? Whatever, let's do it. Yeah, it was like, okay. He thought the game was over, obviously. He misjudged right. the uh you know, I'm sure they have a visible clock that he could have looked at, but <laughs> he just decided to go for a little stroll and uh, got called for traveling. But it was it was too late to, for Purdue to do anything at that point anyway. They were under, it was like under a second, and they were down four points. So uh, it was nice to avenge the loss in West Lafayette and uh, make it two in a row, two wins in a row for the good guys. And uh, suddenly they're Johnny, they're in a, a con- contention for the double bye in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, here's my thing, like, that that's cool, I guess, but honestly, like, I'm more focused on just March Madness in general, 
Like, I want them to do well in the Big Ten tournament, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's that's clearly something that would be great if they could make a run. But I've always just, you know, let me put it this way. If Thad Mata wasn't a guy who you're like, okay, you know, this team needs to get to the NCAA tournament every year because of who the coach is and the talent they're bringing in, you know, I'd look forward more to the Big Ten tournament as like, okay, this is going to, like, determine how good we were this season. But mm-hmm. they're going to be there. You know, they're going to be a March Madness. I want them to tune up. Like, I don't really care if they get a first-round bye or, if, you know, they look, you know, amazing, crushing, a really bad team in the Big Ten or something. I want uh-huh. them to improve in the games that they have left. And, you know, Purdue looked like they had kind of improved a little bit, at least in the second half. I mean, you know, granted, like, like literally almost half the team's points came from one guy. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it's it's incremental. It's baby steps. And, you know, maybe I'm just high on the Amir juice. I don't know. But, like... I I think they might have turned a little bit of a corner. I don't know. Am I crazy? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's funny because we always say that we always do this. It's like, oh yeah, they're they're on a roll now, and there's no stopping yeah. them. It's and crazy. then they'll lose two in a row, and they're like, oh, these teams just not very good. We have to face facts. Right. <laughs> we're 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 riding that emotional roller coaster. I think uh, a little too uh, too much, but. Uh, you know, it, it, the bottom line is they got a couple of wins. Um, for my money, if they can get a buy, the double buy in the Big Ten tournament is big because what it does is it, it obviously it gets you extended further into the tournament, right. which gets you hopefully a better seating in the NCAA tournament. So then, you know, instead of coming in at, at maybe an eight, you're coming in at a six or maybe a five if you do well. I think so, it, I actually want to get your opinion on that because a lot of the projections have Ohio State as like an eight, nine, sometimes a seven seed. Do you think that's too mm-hmm. high? Because I think that's I don't way think so. High. I mean, I don't think so because I, they have always sort of done that with the with the power conferences. Like, if you look historically, you don't see like you know teams like Indiana, Ohio State, Michigan State. You don't see them even when they're like have an average years come in as like a twelve seed, right? It's always a sure. mid major that's like a twelve or thirteen seed. So it's typically you know it's going to be seven and up most years for, for the power five school you know, or the, you know, the, the big power uh, basketball schools, I think. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's too high. I think this team is capable of getting to a five or six if they do well in the big 10 tournament. But uh, yeah. uh, I think we'll know more, you know, after they get through, they got Penn state, you know, uh, tonight, if you're listening to this on the, the day that the dubcast drops um, Wednesday night at, at Penn state, happy Valley, then they're, Hosting Wisconsin, and that's I think a real big uh, game in terms of where they're going to be seated. If they beat Wisconsin in that finale, I think that can really boost their their tournament resume to the point where people are like, "All right, maybe they're getting it together right here at the right time of the year." And then, of course, you know, I want all the championships, so I want to go to the Big Ten tournament and win that, and then hang another banner, right? You know, at the shot, and uh, that way, you know, Wisconsin can say, oh, "Well, we won the regular season, <laughs> you know, so uh, we got the tournament, baby." We won four um, games in a row. Suck it. That's right. And not even four if we don't have to have to play earlier in the week. Well, there you um, go. So, uh, yeah, I, I think um, I like what I saw from D'Angelo Russell. I was a little worried that he's, you know, that he's been a little bit injured and it's not been well known. Yeah. Um, he looked in that second half like his old self. He was, you know, he was getting good rotation. He was getting a good, strong uh, push off the floor. And um, he was doing a lot of good things. So, I, you know, this team is an enigma. They can they can probably beat anyone in the country if they play their best, and they could probably lose to just about anybody in the country if they play <laughs> stupid, like they did in the first half against Purdue. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like, 
sometimes here's how I feel about um, D'Angelo Russell and in his performance. I think sometimes you've got to shoot yourself out of a slump, right? And mm-hmm. he had had a very not even I don't want to say poor, but at least a mediocre couple of games at best. And I think sometimes when you're a guy like him and you're just you're the good you're the dude the good <laughs> you're the guy. Uh, you've got to take a little bit more of that burden on yourself. And it, maybe he was a little gimpy for a little bit, and I wouldn't be surprised given the sheer volume of minutes that dude has been asked to play. Uh, I think that's got to wear down on you at a certain point. Yeah, certain he's seen a lot Ten. of contact. Yeah, especially in the Big Ten. You know, it's a physical conference. So, you know, at this point in the season, I guess I wasn't super surprised that he wasn't maybe shooting super great. But I also think Purdue was a perfect game for him to kind of get back in the, the swing of things and – you know, you've got a game against Penn State coming up, right? Like Penn State mm-hmm. is, you know, they they they're they're not great. Um, they they are probably one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. So that's a mm-hmm. nice little okay. Let's get our groove back, and then you've got to really prepare for Wisconsin at home. Uh, really coming up here in just like five days. I mean, they they've got you know the game tomorrow, and then March eighth is Wisconsin. So that's going to be that that's an interesting stretch. That's a real interesting stretch, especially coming off. Maybe not an emotional win, but like a tough win against Purdue. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it, the team suddenly got really interesting. You know what I mean? Like that's that's yeah. what I think is cool. Again, the Purdue game incredibly entertaining, especially in the second half. Um, yeah, this is the way you want Ohio State basketball to feel. I think you want yeah. you want to feel that inertia during the course of the year, and sometimes we haven't really had that. And I'm I'm kind of glad that it's back. So that's cool. All right, so let's try to avoid that trap game in Happy Valley and, uh, you know, don't fall in the trap. Then we can make Bo Ryan deal with it next weekend. Uh, and then, <laughs> that's right, the the, un, the Lord of the Undead uh, himself will be bringing his Badgers into the shot, and we need to we need to come up with another win. So the basketball team needs to keep it going. Uh, Johnny, I have to say, we, we have a very special guest tonight who we're going to talk a little bit of football with. Uh, before we get to that, maybe we'll just touch on a little bit of football here. Uh, just got a commitment this week from Terrell Hall, Washington, D.C. area defensive end for 2016. Yeah, buddy. Um, are you paying attention right now to recruiting? Are you paying attention to getting ready for the spring uh, spring football and spring game? Or are you still kind of basking in the glow of the, the national championship? Yeah, I don't – I mean, I <laughs> I keep re-watching uh, the national championship. Like, I'm not <laughs> – like, it's probably unhealthy – that a month later I'm still like going on YouTube like oh god I just need to see that fourth quarter and see how you know but um you know here's the thing about and I've said this about spring football this year there really isn't a lot of drama right and and granted there is drama you know with the quarterback situation but two of the guys who are going to be in the the race just aren't ready yet so you know you've got Cardell Jones is going to do his thing and then you've got some running backs and and Ezekiel Elliott's going to be out cuz he's got you know that hand surgery that he's got to take care of and so i mean i guess i'm not super pumped i like the fact that we just added some defensive line depth you can never have enough of that um mm-hmm. it's really kind of remarkable the fact that we did not play with a lot of defensive linemen this year but managed to keep almost all of them healthy i mean that that was a godsend um <laughs> Seriously, think about it. What if Michael Bennett went down the middle of the year? Like, that, to me, would almost be worse than, like, uh, you know, I can say this in retrospect, but worse than JT Barrigo. Like, we didn't, we had yeah. zero depth at that position, and it's cool that they're adding that. So, that sets us up. Well, the reason I laugh, too, is that because, you know, I was thinking of something that I wrote a couple of weeks ago was that, you know, 
last year coming off the coming off the loss to Clemson in the bowl game. Yeah. You know, Urban Meyer made it his mission in life to fix the passing defense. Right. And the passing defense got fixed. Now this year all you're hearing about is defensive line depth. So guess what's getting fixed this year, Johnny? <laughs> defensive line depth. Look, he, that's he absolutely he, right. That's the point. Urban Meyer takes what he wants. He he pillages and he burns down every other state's recruiting to the ground, and he takes what Ohio State needs, and that's it. And that's how it works. And that's that's big boy football. So I'm I'm excited about that. That's fun. Yeah, what I want, I take. What I don't, I break. And I don't <laughs> want you. <laughs> exactly. Um. So yeah, you know, I I was thinking about that today. I was like, it was I was I realized that I wasn't riding that cloud anymore, and I'm like, oh man, it's been two months. I should still be riding that cloud, man. <laughs> then I noticed that some you know some programs were firing up their spring football, and I was like, oh, well, maybe I'm, maybe my body's just telling me it's time to get ready for 2015. So, right. uh, but yeah, we're we're always going to be uh, about the football here at uh, here at the 11 Dubcast. But we want to give our, our basketball Buckeyes some love too, and 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 you know, here in the upcoming uh, weeks, we might even be talking about some other sports that we don't uh, normally get to address. But uh, such is the off season, Johnny. Yeah, such is life. Really super excited this week to have with us on the 11 Dubcast, former Ohio State Buckeye running back and ESPN college football analyst Robert Smith. Robert, thanks so much for being on the 11 Dubcast with us. Yeah, no problem. Well, you know, first thing I wanted to ask you, Robert, is uh, here in the wake of an Ohio State football championship, uh, you know, I, I always kind of wonder what the guys, the alumni, feel about things like that. You know, do you take a certain amount of pride, a certain amount of ownership uh, in the in the national championship, and your alma mater winning it, or you know, how do you, how does that affect you when you when you watch something like that happen? Well, it was a great amount of pride this time, you know, especially the way that it happened. Uh, you know, going into the season with Braxton going down with the interview or with the injury, I remember I remember tweeting out. That uh, that I felt bad about what happened with Braxton, but that I was excited to see how the team would respond. And of course, you know, you go week two against Virginia Tech and lose, take the season's loss, you know, the Big Ten with Michigan State losing to Oregon, Ohio or Michigan getting blown out uh, by Notre Dame. Think that uh, Big Ten is all is completely out of the Big Ten race, and then you see the team respond, uh, the tough win on the road against Penn State. Uh, beating Michigan State on the road and then stomping Wisconsin. And the, the whole thing was just amazing, uh, considering all that they went through. And of course, J.T. Barrett going down and Cardale Jones stepping in. Just some huge wins and, and just, a, just an extraordinary amount of pride because I know how much Urban cares about those guys and to see them respond that way was just incredible. So one of the things that I have done in the intervening months, like since the – since the national championship is I think I've watched literally every way that ESPN presented the national championship game. Um, like I watched it in Spanish. I watched the coaches room. I watched like the on-field camera and all that stuff. Can you just describe what it was like to prepare for this game at ESPN? I mean, was ESPN like a complete DEFCON one for like two weeks going into this or how, how was it handled? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of excitement, obviously, being the first college football playoff. Uh, you know, a little bit of controversy surrounding the selection at the end of the season. And there, was, there was just a lot of excitement. 
so, it, you know, there, there, there are just so many things that you can dive into, so many different ways that you can prepare. And when you looked at the matchup, you saw the way that Oregon was able to move the ball against Florida State, but you saw the way that, that Florida State uh, turned the ball over but was moving the ball well against Oregon. I thought it was a great matchup for Ohio State. It was exciting. Robert, one of the things that really stuck out to me in the you know the three postseason games for Ohio State, and obviously stuck out to everybody, the play of Ezekiel Elliott at running back, and a lot of people didn't realize that he basically played one-handed all year with the right. with the left uh, left wrist problem. As a former running back, how difficult? I mean, explain how difficult that is to to be one-handed like that, and how how difficult well, it is to pr- protect the ball. It, it it is very it is very tough to do and. You think about the way that you take handoffs and then you try and place the ball. And I guess you would get used to it after a time, and clearly he did. Uh, but it just speaks volumes about him and his and his focus really in preparation uh, and, and his pain tolerance and his toughness. I uh, just can't say enough good things about him. So – Kind of to piggyback on what Michael just asked you, um, one of the things that I was thinking about is he put up some incredible numbers the last three games of the season. Um, you know, it's the off season; we're getting bored. You know, we got we got to think about things to talk about, and and in that off season, we like to come up with lists and, and make comparisons and whatnot. How much can you compare what he did um, at the running back position in 2014, 2015? to the way the running back position was played like in the 90s or even the 80s, like in terms of like, you know, how he stacks up against guys like, you know, yourself, Eddie George, um, you know, Byers, all those other guys. Well, I mean, the offense certainly is different. Uh, you know, there, there, there isn't high back offense. And the defense doesn't focus as much. But when it comes down to actually running the ball, uh, you know, you can see him do all the things that any running back did in any era. Uh, you know, just tremendous vision and balance and strength, speed to separate, great agility, uh, lateral movement in the hole, really just everything. So although the offense was different, uh, I think when you when you evaluate him as a runner, uh, he just had to come away impressed and impressed with the offensive line, replacing four offensive linemen and being able to do what they did. Uh, you know, just a, just a great effort all the way around. You know, one of the things I think that I was most impressed about in the in the championship run was Urban Meyer's ability to play psychologist with his team and and get them in the right frame of mind week after week. Uh, you know, no matter what the adversity was. I mean, they obviously had the the death of a teammate to deal with, and they had uh, the loss of J.T. Barrett. And you know, not only the the team psychology, but the individual psychology working on guys like Cardell Jones. Uh, you know. I mean, you're a guy that's a real cerebral guy. What do you think went into that, and and what did you take away from from watching Urban Meyer coach these guys up? Well, I I guess the psychology degree from the University of Cincinnati helped. Um, (laughs) And I I talked about, you know, the the genuine love that he has for his players. It was was like a throwaway moment. I think it was like 2007. I remember an interview when he was talking about Andre Caldwell uh, when he was coaching in Florida. And I remember seeing an interview – and you could just see the emotion uh, in Urban Meyer when he was talking about him. And he, and he said something like, you know, I, I really love Bubba. And, you know, that was his nickname. And, and just just his tone, 
in that interview was a demonstration of how much he actually cares about his players. So when you talk about psychology, I think preparing guys, uh, getting them to adjust to your way of getting things done. And he talked about this on the cruise, a guy like Zach Bourne moving from fullback to linebacker. The guys completely bought in. Uh, they were they were able to overcome adversity because they were able to be selfless. And those are the things that he mentioned. I think the, uh, the psychology certain, certainly played a part of it, uh, but I think his his character and his genuine love for the players, uh, you know, you, you talk about teams taking on the personality of their coach. I think this is a perfect example of what we saw from this team. So one of the things, you know, speaking of coaching, one of the things that's been really a hot topic for Ohio State even since Myers gotten here is uh, coaching turnover in general. Um, what does a coach have to do to make sure there's like a certain amount of consistency among the staff and, and maybe not from like a personnel perspective, but maybe from like an attitude or a uh, philosophy perspective to make sure that the team like kind of stays on the even keel, even though guys are coming and leaving in terms of like the assistant coaches and whatnot. Well, it, you know, Urban talked about that on the cruise as well. Um, <clears throat> Guys have to understand when they come in that Ohio State's not changing. Urban Meyer is going to keep things the same. So there is no adjusting for them in the sense that the players don't have to learn new systems or new philosophies because the philosophy stays the same. So whatever coach comes in understands that they're coaching it the way that he wants it coached. There's no mistake about that on the coaching staff, and then there's no no mistake about it from the players. Well, it sounds like we missed a heck of a cruise, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fog was delightful. <laughs> I was about to say, like, how do I know we're talking to the real Robert Smith? Is it like something might happen in the Atlantic Ocean? I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> Robert, I, I wanted to ask you about, I know you got something going on. Um, you're launching a, a fan health network app uh, with, uh, you know, a bunch of the other uh, ex-Buckeye greats. Uh, guys like Chris Carter, Eddie George, AJ Hawk, Pete Johnson, Katie Smith. Um, can, what can you tell us about that project and where does that stand right now? Well, it, it's really exciting. I've been working on this for a couple of years. Uh, we uh, we have a licensing deal with Ohio State, and it's going to be led by a, a lot of Ohio State former greats, uh, as as you mentioned, but also some athletes from some other schools: Marcellus Wiley, Billy Horschel, uh, who just won the FedEx Cup, Kerry Champion. Uh, who's the host of ESPN's First Take. And we really want to inspire uh, fan bases uh, to live healthier lives. And we think that having these ambassadors kind of share what they're doing, uh, kind of what their philosophy is on diet and exercise, uh, and and being able to see uh, that they're uploading videos uh, or uploading uh, pictures of healthy meals, uh, uploading data from their fitness trackers, kind of inspires the public, but we're also really excited because we've got some great content partners. People are going to be able to download and access workouts uh, from Exos, who trains uh, elite athletes. They do it uh, They do it for NFL athletes. They train like 90 of the 300 guys that went to the combine a year ago. They have like 65 players drafted that they train uh, in 2014. But they also do corporate wellness. Uh, so they uh, they train people across the spectrum. And then here recently, we've also got a content deal with the Mayo Clinic uh, for uh, uh, clinical conditions, whether it's 
high blood pressure or high blood sugar, uh, things like that. So uh, we want we want people to understand that uh, although athletes and and and, and uh, athletic uh, contests are about performance, they're about competition, they're about achievement. You can take a lot of those same uh, the same concepts and apply them to anything in your life regarding health and wellness. And you don't have to be able to run a 10K to live a healthier and happier life. That's really and great. Can, I, I can people get that app now? Sorry to interrupt, but I just I was actually thinking about, you know, I like working out and stuff like that. And it's interesting to me because it almost feels like sometimes when you see athletes talk on you know, online or forums or something like their workouts and other things are kind of like a magician's secret. Like they don't want to give it away. And I think that's really awesome. I think that's really cool that you guys are doing that. Yeah. We're yeah, really that excited all, about it. Is that app available now or is that coming out soon or what's the status? It, it's going to be, it's going to be available in the next few weeks and we're actually going to be launching with a contest. that's going to run for a couple of months. People have to take uh, online quizzes and, and you can qualify automatically for the finals, if you will, uh, kind of like a college football playoff, you could co- qualify for the finals uh, by being in the top 20 on those quizzes, and then we're going to add uh, five or six other individuals that score some minimal level, maybe uh, maybe uh, 80% or so on those quizzes, uh, and they'll advance to the finals, and the finals will evaluate what you've been doing over the last couple of months. So we'll review what's called your lifeline, and in your lifeline, it shows that you've completed workouts on the platform, it shows where you've uploaded data from a fitness tracker. Uh, we have a we have a um, a universal interface uh, from a company called Validic, uh, and you can use any fitness tracker and upload data. So we'll review all of that, come up with a winner, and the winner is going to get twenty five thousand in cash and two tickets to the ESPYS. So we think we're going to create a lot of excitement there. Uh, but more importantly, I think we're going to expose people uh, to healthier living habits. Uh, and information that's going to be helpful regardless of what uh, their particular health and wellness goals are. Wow, that's a pretty amazing prize uh, package there. <laughs> so that's uh, so. What do you think, Johnny? Are you going to are you going to go in and win this thing? Uh, I don't think I'll win, but I think that <laughs> I think that sounds something like I'd, I'd be interested in. That's pretty cool. I, I like that. Um, I actually, I'm sitting here stewing in my own uh, juices from uh, from working out right before we started recording. So, <laughs> so that's too much information right there. <laughs> Far too much information. Well, Robert, you know, right. uh, we're so happy to have you on. And you know, one of the things that Johnny and I have have done is uh, throughout this this podcasting experience is that we've we've always answered our readers' questions and our listeners' questions. And you'd be amazed at how many people ask us about Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> and, um, you know, we know that you've appeared on Mystery Science Theater 3000, so we would be remiss if we didn't take this opportunity to ask you about your experience and how that all came about. And, and uh, you know, you know, fill us in. What's it like at, at Best Brains, and, and what are those guys like? Well, it's, it's really cool. And, and being a big Mystery Science Theater fan from when I was in high school, uh, being able to actually discover when I got drafted by the Vikings that they filmed it literally five minutes away from the facility. I was thrilled. So I went <laughs> over there, and uh, Mike Morris, who's a long snapper, was a big fan, Pete Bursich as well. Uh, so they arranged to get us in there, and uh, we kept going back over there, and they just asked me if I wanted to be uh, you know, their first uh, guest on the show. And I was like, I was thrilled. Of course, I did it. And I was uh, playing a character called Howard the Hunk, and uh, I, I was wearing I was wearing like a caveman outfit, uh, and was a was a prize 
to the lawgiver uh, on this episode, and I can't remember the name of the episode now, uh, but I'm sure people can uh, embarrass me and look it up online and post it on Twitter uh, with, with the picture as Howard the Hunk. <laughs> so were you a were you a Tom Servo guy or a Crow T robot guy? That was my. Exact... I was definitely a Tom Servo. I was a Tom right. Servo guy, no question about it. I was so so thrilled to meet Tom Servo, but Crow was pretty cool too. <laughs> it was it was uh, Mike then, way, and not, just, it was just... Mike it was Mike and not Joel then, but uh, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that is a, a tip for you and, and everyone listening. Uh, you, were, you were talking a little earlier about having not been able to see in a little bit. Uh, pretty much all the episodes are on YouTube. So if you want to check that out, and anyone listening to this wants to check that out, uh, I highly recommend that you guys uh, go ahead and do that because it's, it's pretty great. Yeah, Robert, thanks You know, thanks so much for being on the 11 Dubcast, and we appreciate you telling us about your, your new app. We'll be on the lookout for that. And uh, you know, thanks for, for repping Buckeye Nation, along with a cast of 1,000 other ex-Buckeyes at ESPN. You got it. All right, have a good night, Robert. All right, thanks. You too. Thanks. Well, it's time for a little Ask Us Anything, Johnny, but I think you've already found out the answer to something, and that was which episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000 was Robert Smith on? Yeah, it's The Mole People, and you should watch it because, well, you should watch every, you know, Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode, but uh, especially watch The Mole People because, uh, you know, it's it's The Mole People, and it, it yeah. stars, uh, you know, it stars Robert Smith. And, Howard uh, the Hunk. What's up? Howard the Hunk. Howard the Hunk. So I, I highly recommend it. You know, Ohio State is, you know, we are our pioneers. We won the first ever college football playoff. Robert Smith was the first ever guest uh, to be invited onto Mystery Science Theater 3000. So, you know, we have a long history of being first. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and those two things, yes. Those two things. And there's probably other things. I'm sure there's other things somewhere. Nah. Um, all right, so it's time for Ask Us Anything. Johnny, why don't you tell the good folks at home how they can ask us literally anything? Well, you can do it one of two ways. You can hit us up on Twitter, at uh, 11dubcast, which is you know always a nice way to do it if you're very Web 2.0-ish. Or you can send us an email. It's just dubcast at 11warriors.com. Is that 2.0, Twitter? Is that Twitter? I mean, it's maybe 1.5. I don't know. I don't know. Not really 2.0. I, don't, I, don't, I was told there would be like no that. math. If we had like a kick or a Snapchat or something, I don't know. Yeah, I was told there would be no math, so um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know about the numbers. All right, so Johnny, do we have some questions? What, what are the people out there clamoring to get our advice about this week? Well, okay, so first one is from Mr. Andrew Hare, and and by the way, again, I love the fact that he goes by Mr. Andrew Hare, all of that. <laughs> um, this is an interesting question. I like this, and this maybe is kind of relevant to what we just talked about. Would you rather be a walk-on for an NCAA championship team or have a few lines as a minor character on your favorite TV show? How about that? How about that for wow, synergy? That's, a, that's not bad. That's a pretty darn good question, I All think. Right? So what do you um, Would you rather be a walk-on for NCAA championship or have a few lines on your favorite TV show? I, If you're for a walk-on and you're not getting to play, I'm assuming. Correct. That I mean, I'm extra. You know, I'm assuming too. But that's let's go with that. Yeah. All right. So if you're not getting to play, I think I'd rather be involved in the action, even if you're only getting a couple lines. You know, 
I could I could definitely see me being on uh, Game of Thrones or something. Yeah. And uh, and and you know getting getting my like five minutes of fame there that way. And because the thing is, you do that, and then you could do the the whole entire uh, you know circuit of uh, what do you call it conventions. You could do the convention circuit because you were you were a character. Mm, that's true. Um, and then you could make a little bit of a side living off of that. Thing. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. All right. Well, here's the thing. I. I don't know. I, I there are lots of shows that I would ju- just be thrilled to be a walk-on minor character, uh, but I have no acting skills whatsoever. I can't. <laughs> I'm so awkward on camera in every way, shape, and form. I don't know that that would go very well for me. Plus, here's my other reasoning. Like, so let me put it this way, right? Let's say um, you know I get to be a walk-on on. What's my favorite current show? I don't know. Let's say Game of Thrones. Let's say let's use your example. Okay. Game of Thrones, as much as I enjoy that that series, is also probably be go- going to be forgotten by most people within the next twenty years or so. Like not forgotten, but probably not people aren't gonna be looking at it like this is a great piece of, you know, cultural significance. If I'm a walk on, mm-hmm. like let's say I'm a walk on on the basketball team and they win a championship just by virtue of being on the team, that's forever. Like, that's something that people aren't ever going to be like. Was it basketball or was it football? It's he was any NCAA about. championship team. But okay. I guess what I'm saying okay. is, is, like, if I tell somebody when I'm 50 that I had a couple lines on, like, Game of Thrones, no one's going to care. <laughs> like, they're going to be like, huh, huh, okay. If I tell somebody that I have an NCAA championship ring with Ohio State when I'm 50, people are going to freak out. Like, I want to be on a championship team. I think that would be great. And I think yeah. it would be even greater that I could just be like a, you know, a walk-on and didn't really have to sacrifice my body or anything like that. Yeah, so, you know, I might have to I might have to change my, my pick because I was thinking it was a football-related question. And I was thinking those poor walk-ons right. just absolutely get abused. Well, it could be football <laughs> or basketball, either one. See, now, in basketball, you know, there's contact and stuff. And, sure. And, you know, you might have to, like, go get the balls and pick up after the, you know, the, the star five star athletes and that kind of thing. But it's not like you're getting killed like every day in football. Yeah, that's what Those I'm guys. Yeah. That's not too bad. Now I might consider that, especially, you know, because it would mean Ohio state would win a basketball championship. <laughs> right. I'd really like to see that. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I'm flip flopping on this uh, issue. Uh, Senator. That's all right. Um, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. So what else we got? Okay, so our next question um, comes to us again from the Twitters from uh, Mr. Brandon Elliott. Um, you can choose one current football player to bring uh, onto the basketball team this season. Who is it? Oh, it's got to be Adolphus Washington. Really? Yeah, he's actually a, a, a really good basketball player, and he would destroy people. <laughs> and it would just be awesome to have. Not, I mean, let's face it. We haven't got a lot out of that center position this year. Yeah. But if you put Adolphus Washington in the middle, I mean, first of all, the space he takes up, you would be keeping people further away from the rim as it is. True. And it, you would you would also have five more fouls to give at the center position. So uh, I think Adolphus Washington would be my choice uh, to bring onto the Hoops team this year. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad choice. I would say um, I'm going to go with uh, Devin Smith just because of his leaping ability. I feel, I feel like a guy who is that tall or who can jump, not necessarily that tall, but can jump like he does. Like you know what, let's let's put him on the team and see what happens. Get him and Sam Thompson on the court at the same time. Let's see what that looks like because I think that might be 
pretty cool. So I'm I'm down with that. I think I think Devin Smith's the guy I want. Or maybe you just go with Cardale Jones and win a national championship. Yeah, I know, right? Like maybe we just break everybody's <laughs> legs and then just put like you know Jake Warback on the court and you know whoever else is like a third stringer on the football team. Let's just let's just let them win championships. Screw it. I don't want to get in people's way. All right, Brandon Elliott, you've got your answer. Yeah, that is, and, and really, it's it's the best possible answer you could have gotten. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, last question we have here. This is from uh, Nathan uh, G Nilly ninety seven. Uh, Hi, you, Nathan. Yeah, if you could choose one quarterback in the history of Buckeye football in in game, okay, to decide the fate of the world. So I assume this means like. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess someone who has played for Ohio State football on the field? I don't know. Uh, to decide the fate of the world, who would you pick? <laughs> who is your person to decide whether the world is plunged into eternal darkness or led <laughs> to, uh, you know, the light? Okay, so I understand this question Who's going to be your leader? One quarterback in the history of Buckeye football would be playing a game to decide the fate of the world. Is that, that's how I'm reading this. Okay, is that right? Okay. Is that how you're reading oh, Okay, it? I see. Okay, so the answer, Nathan, is pretty obvious. Cardiel Jones has never <laughs> lost as a starter, um, and he's never lost a playoff or postseason game or a meaningful game of any type. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, Cardiel Jones, that's my pick. You know what, I'm going to caution against that because i got to tell you something, all right? And, and, and granted, this is, this is going to sound like the most asinine, stupid comparison in the city <laughs> world, but I seem to remember a humble website named 11 Warriors – uh, proclaiming Joe Bowserman to be a competent quarterback after one pretty good game from him. Um, that that was incorrect. We, we That was a half a game, actually. Yeah, we did not get that one right. Um, and again, as as much, Cardell Jones has a much larger sample size, obviously, mm-hmm. against much more difficult competition. I'm a cautious man. Michael. I would caution you, cautious man, not just, to ever compare Cardale Jones <laughs> and Joe Bowserman. <laughs> well, again, I told you it was it's it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a bad comparison. But my point is this: I I want the known quantity, and mm-hmm. as much as Cardale Jones has brought results, he has not necessarily had to be super consistent. He hasn't faced a ton of adversity adversity if you really think about it. I mean. You know, yes, they had to come back from behind against Alabama, but really the numbers were kind of skewing their way no matter what. Um, yeah, I, you know, if I'm going to pick a quarterback, right, mm-hmm. uh, I am, and this is like all time, I got to go, I got to go with my gut. I go with my childhood gut. I think uh, Joe Germain is going to do it. Like, I believe in Joe Germain. That's, that's, that's it. Like, I, I know there are other guys who have won championships. I know it. Mm-hmm. I know there are guys who have better numbers, and I know Braxton Miller is a literal wizard, and I know like Terrell Pryor shouldn't physically be able to exist. Um, but <laughs> but I just think Joe Germain, from my childhood, has got to be the guy, and that's my. That's not a bad choice for sure. Well, I got to say something. Here, here, you know what? We just got breaking news here, Michael. We have uh, we have another question. <laughs> I saw that it just it's not came in, news, but we have another. It's question. hot off the presses. <laughs> Hot off the Twitter sphere. Yeah, this is from Aaron Michael. You want me to answer? You want? Let's do this one. Yeah, let's do this. One. All right, let's do this one. Um, I have some actually fairly strong opinions on this, but the eternal question: Catfish Biffs or Adriaticos? What is your answer, Michael? Well, I know that you have a very strong, very strong opinion on uh, on this pizza deal. Yeah. Uh, this Columbus pizza deal. If those are my two choices. Yes, that's it. You know, uh, and I cannot go outside the box and say, "Well, screw you. I'm going to take C." You yeah, know, you can't go to Tom's. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, out of those two, I'm going to go with Adriaticos because I know that I'm going to be full for about three days. I'm going to be on the toilet um, for about three days. I, I I do enjoy – I probably enjoy Catfish Biffs more than most people. Uh-huh. We've, we've had this debate many, many times on Twitter. Sure. And I say, oh, I kind of like Catfish Biffs. Everybody's like, oh, that's garbage compared to Adriaticos <laughs> or this or that. You're well, a garbage you know, person. Sometimes when I've got a couple of beers in me, I just want to have some good old greasy sloppy pie from Catfish Biffs. Yeah. But um, but I think overall, I, I tip, I, if they're both sitting in front of me on the table, I'm probably reaching for the Adriatico's, truth be told. I mean, I, okay, here's the thing. I, I have traditionally been kind of anti-Adriatico's, right? Like, it's it's yeah. traditionally been, for me, something that I'm like, I'm not a huge fan of. I don't know that yeah. I really like it. It's you got a little hipster in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> I and, and It's an interesting question because Adriatico's and Catfish Biffs are similar pizza, in my opinion, right? Like, you got the giant pieces of pepperoni. You know, mm-hmm. and it tastes kind of the same, not the same, but, you know, they use like kind of a spicier sauce a little bit. Um, my beef with Adriatico's was always that I thought it was too spicy to really enjoy the sauce um, and that it like dies real fast. Like the, the, the cheese just <clears throat> dies in a second and it just gets hard and gross. And I don't really like that. Um, mm-hmm. Catfish Biffs is interesting because... It's it has some of the same pros and cons as Adriatico's, but I lean towards cat, catfish bisque because the 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 crust, the dough that they use is what for me puts it over the top. Now, with that mm-hmm. said, with that said, we went, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Senator. <laughs> with that said, we had an event, an Eleven Warriors event at Waltz Brewery, Land Grant Brewing, which you should go to if you are in Columbus because it's great. Yes. Uh, with Adriaticos, and I had like five pieces of Adriaticos. I loved it. it. For whatever reason, it was working that night, and I thought it was great. So my Adriaticos has improved a little bit in my eyes. I am not going to dismiss it out of hand anymore, um, but I give the edge catfish biffs. I still think how dogs trumps both of them, but that's my personal preference. That's what i got to say about that. All right. Well, you know, Aaron, Michael... Thank you for getting in that question just under the gun. Yeah. Uh, we were just about to wrap dog. up, ask us anything, but you, you got it in in time. So uh, we hope we got to everybody's uh, questions. And if not, it's just because we're incompetent boobs that can't read our email and our Twitter feed. Yeah, we so, really like um, you. So send it again because we really want to answer these questions because it's important for us to impart all of our wisdom and intelligence upon you. That's right. So, Inflict it upon uh, you either way. That's right. We we need to do this. This is for your own good. It's for your own good. My therapist says uh, so, if we don't do it, we're in trouble. Yeah. So ask us anything every week. Um, you know, 11dubcast is the Twitter handle. Or uh, hit us up at 11dubcast uh, at 11 warriors or dubcast at 11warriors.com. I knew I was going to screw that up. And uh, true to form, I did. All right, there we go. It's a dubcast, everybody. Uh, man, it was great to have Robert Smith on this show. He yeah. was outstanding. Uh, as Every bit as good a dubcast guest as he was a running back at Ohio State University, Johnny. And, that's and, my opinion. And a, and a guest uh, a guest appearance on Mystery Science 3000. A guest, uh, what do they call that? Actor? I don't know. I don't know television. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on internet radio. Guest star. Guest star, guest there we star. go. Yeah. All right, so... Um, 
You know, before we get on out of here, Johnny, I got a, a final question for you. Do it. And, I um, hear it. You know, as we often do these things. Uh, and my question is actually MST3K adjacent. All right. Okay, um, adjacent. Okay. <laughs> actually, it, it, it's it's not adjacent. It's just a flat out question about Mystery Science Theater 3000. But it's also an Ohio State question, oh, Johnny. Good. And my question to you is, if they brought back Mystery Science Theater 3000 nowadays, and you couldn't get Joel and you couldn't get Mike, what Ohio State Buckeye would wow. be your host, Mystery Science Theater 3000, and who would you stick on the satellite of love to watch those bad movies? Uh, that's an excellent question. It's Michael Bennett, and it's not even close. And you know what? I also have some suggestions for uh, uh, replacements for Crow and Tom Servo, uh, should they not be available. I think uh, James Lewis needs to be uh, Crow. Because oh, he's Keyboard Lewis, of, okay. Do you remember James Lewis? <laughs> yeah, Keyboard Lewis. Hell yeah. So James Lewis is going to be Crow's replacement because he has kind of a childlike wonder about the world, which I, I just personally enjoy quite a bit. Um, <laughs> and Tom Servo, the more, the more seasoned, kind of cynical, but maybe you know, very intelligent uh, robot, um, I'm going to have to, to give, uh, man, that's, that's a little harder. I actually, I was gonna say Joey Bosa, but he's not really. That's not really where he's at. You know what? I'm gonna revise. No, okay. James Lewis remains Crow. Tyvis Powell gets to be uh, Tom Servo. Okay, which I think mm-hmm. is a terrific lineup. And then let's see who's gonna be Doctor Forrester slash Pearl. Who should? Do? Um, I'm gonna make like somebody who's just Megal and. Uh, I'm gonna make Urban Meyer Pearl because I think I think uh, slash Doctor Forrester because I think he would come up with a lot of very diabolical movies for them to watch. <laughs> By the way, who is TV's Frank? Who do you think should be TV's Frank in this scenario? Oh, TV's Frank is Joe Bowserman. Oh God, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or like Steve Belisari. Either one. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I like that. In fact, I'm glad you brought up Tyvis Powell because I was gonna say my my choice might be a a uh, to send two yeah. people up into space and have it be Tyvis and Cardell because it would be hilarious. <laughs> uh, Tyvis and Cardell together should have their own show all the time, always. Yeah, I agree. Uh, they should just be on camera 24-7 and uh, the reality show. Nobody would ever leave their house, actually, because <laughs> it would be just too good. But uh, So there you go. Um, can't go wrong with any of those picks. And, uh, you know, we would really enjoy uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 brought back in its... I agree. You know, Mark Titus gets to be Gypsy. How about that? Good call. I'm Cambot. You're Cambot. I'm Cambot. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that's a dubcast, everybody. We uh, we look forward to uh, being with you again next week. And uh, until that time, I'm Michael Citro. I am. You know what? No, I'm Magic Voice. I'm Magic Voice. Johnny Ginter. <laughs> Michael Citro gets to be Gypsy. <laughs> or no, Cambot. Okay. Cambot. I'll be Cambot. All right, everybody. Peace. Bye.